welcome to Modern Anarchy, the podcast featuring real conversations with conscious objectors to the status quo. I'm your host, Nicole. diversity, equity, and inclusion practitioner, educator, and business owner, Jasmine Prince. Join us for a conversation about being true to yourself. Together, we talk about redesigning your life path as an adult, paying attention to the top five people you surround yourself with, and listening to the wisdom of the body. If you have been thinking about quitting your business uh, lackluster job to find something more fulfilling, then today's episode might hit you kind of hard. You know, Jasmine talks about stepping into entrepreneurship and letting go of those doubts and fears about what that might all mean and how people would receive them. And I think First off, those are applicable skills across multiple domains of relationships, right? We might have various identities or other points of self-expression that we're worried about what other people will think about that or how we will be received. So I think a lot of what we talk about is applicable across multiple domains of relationships, existence, and all the fun things that come with being human But I also think there is a specific place for talking about the job path that Jasmine is embarking upon by working with black women and uh, finding that path and calling for her. And, you know, I don't want to be over here, you know, shouting some sort of, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and work really hard and you're going to thrive in capitalism if you work really hard and you give it all you got because... We know that our society is not a meritocracy and that people with capital get ahead and capital in terms of privilege, you know, beyond even financially, time, energy, all of that, get ahead and that working hard does not equal success in American culture, at least. Uh, So I definitely don't want to be over here preaching some sort of, you know, like, yeah, work harder and follow it and you're going to get it inside this game um, because the reality is that's not true for all people. And an even bigger reality is that that's a hell of a privilege statement to make towards anyone, right? Because the single mom that's raising multiple children and working two jobs does not have time for a side hustle. And so if we come up to that woman and say, well, why aren't you pursuing your dream and your passion and blah, blah, blah. I mean, like, that's some privilege, y'all. We can't be spouting these sort of like, just follow it. Of course, what's holding you back? Y'all, society is holding a lot of people back, right? So I just want to acknowledge that, um, you know, I'm over here making this podcast with a ton of privilege, right? And like, The reality is I had a hell of a lot of privilege when I had an abortion, okay, in 2018, because if I didn't have that, the likelihood of me starting this podcast one day, if I had had a kid while in grad school, I don't know if that would have happened, y'all. So, I mean, there's multiple people right now who, like, don't even have access to abortion and who are having to undergo forced pregnancy because of that, and so... 
I mean, we don't have to get into all of that in this one episode, but I just wanted to call out the ways in which that capitalistic narrative of, hey, just work harder and follow your thing and that's going to bring you there um, is not really accurate and a reflection of a lot of privilege, right? But within that also, I think there is a lot of us that do have privilege. If you're listening to this podcast right now, like it's likely that you come from a different socioeconomic background where you can, one, understand a lot of the like psychological terms I'm talking about. Not everyone has access to understanding that education. Not everyone has access to spending time to listen to a podcast, right? Like some people really don't have that space given the structures that we all live under. So I think that uh, acknowledging that is important and also recognizing if you have it, there's space for you to move, right? There's all those quotes about finding that thing that lights you up and following it. And when I think about the revolution (laughs) and changing the world, I do think that we will need more people who are on fire, who see that thing, that way that they want to contribute to society and going for it and following that and investing in that with their time, energy, and resources. Uh, So if you are that person with more space and you're thinking about leaving that job that feels like it's not in alignment with your values and how you want to contribute to changing the world, then, you know, maybe this is for you. Maybe this episode is for you and for all those doubts that you're having. So, but yeah, we only get one shot at this life. And if you feel that calling in your heart to do something different, I want to invite you to sit with that and to hold some space for what possibilities might be ahead in your future if you were to follow it. And I hope all of y'all are enjoying Pride. Happy Wednesday as we close out this month of June of our celebration and a reminder to keep fighting for the world that we dream of. I am thinking of all of you out there, and yeah, this weekend I got to go on a naked bike ride around Chicago for a protest against oil. I I actually posted some pictures from the event on Patreon, so if you are one of the Modern Anarchy family, go check that out, or if you want to join, the link is below so we can have more conversation about all things sex, relationships, and liberation. I'm so generally thrilled to be in this space with you and that you continue to check in and together we're going to keep exploring and growing every Wednesday. So I hope you enjoy today's episode and tune in. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. First, if you could just start with, how would you introduce yourself to the listeners? Um, so hi, friends. My name is Jasmine Prince. She, her, hers pronouns. I am a diversity, equity, and inclusion practitioner. I'm an educator. I'm also a coach and a business owner. Um, and so those are the things I do to finance my life. If I were to describe myself outside of what I do, I would say that I am a traveler. I am a encourager. I am, if I could put professional hype woman on my resume, I would, because um, that's what I love to do. And I think I just all around like want to be a light in the world. And so that's little bit about me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah what does it mean to be a light in the world for you oh man 
I think it means really just, I think about like leaving people better than you found them. Mm-hmm. And that's in any encounter, right? So that's seeing someone in the grocery store or Target to your friends and your family to the places where you work and everything in between um, and finding ways to add value, bring joy um, in the big and the small ways. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Going around sharing that smile that maybe someone mm-hmm. needs and having yeah. that moment with them, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I'd be curious, what is your story? What is your journey into all of these things? Man. We have all the space. Take it up. (laughs) Share it. I'm here. Oh, man. So I think about really, I guess I'm going to start with my journey into higher ed because that is what like I naturally, when people ask me that, what I'm naturally go to. So I went to undergrad at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. I'm a Birmingham native. Really went to school to be an occupational therapist had a, not even a quarter life crisis. It was kind of before the quarter life hit, but had a crisis about like, I don't know if I actually want to do this and had to change my major. Yeah. In year four. Oh, shit. And so, (laughs) yeah, which I don't recommend as someone who like (laughs) put the students, but I do not recommend. And when I went and sat down and talked to my mentor, we were talking about like, I don't, like if I change my major, I don't know how to, pivot back into like the healthcare space. I don't know what that mm-hmm. looks like. Like yeah. I don't really know what else I want to do because since I was 16, like I've wanted to be an occupational therapist. Like I don't, um, I've never explored other opportunities. Like I don't know. Sure. And we talked about social work. We talked about teaching. We talked about like counseling and therapy, which all are great professions, have a lot of love and respect for the folks in those professions. I was like, mm, none of those really move my spirit. And we stumbled upon student affairs, higher education, which is what my mentor also has her degree in. And she's like, well, you can, like, what about my job? And I was like, this is a job for you. You do actually get paid and can finance your life. Right. Um, And so started to explore higher education, student affairs, um, and then went to graduate school for that. And all of my work has been centered around multicultural affairs, diversity, equity, inclusion, and work, particularly because as a Black woman, all of my work has also happened at predominantly white institutions. And mm. so I recognize the necessity for students of color um, from all identities to see other folks of color in leadership, yes. to have those folks to confide in, to coach them um, as they navigate, not just the academic side, but also all of the other things that come with being someone from a marginalized community that has to navigate the world and particularly navigate across campus. So yeah, so that's how I got into higher ed. I think my journey into business was a little, yeah, I kind of, I don't want to say that I fell into business, but I think that I was very like anti being an entrepreneur for a very long time, mostly because everyone that I knew that was talking about entrepreneurship, that was like finding success in entrepreneurship, talked about how much they hated their jobs and that's Mm. what pushed them into entrepreneurship. You weren't, you were just like, I hate my job. My job is stressful. I'm going home. Like I hate it. So I equated that language and that narrative to that's the prerequisite to to go into business for yourself. Is you got to hate your job enough to be like, I'm just going to take the risk and like whatever happens, happens. I don't even like going to work. So what could be worse? And I love my job. I love working with students. I've really had really um, amazing colleagues and supervisors and worked on really great teams. And so it was hard for me to rationalize like, I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I like, I like my nine to five job. Like it pays the bills. Let's me have a little bit of fun. Like 
And then a thought came after a conversation with a good friend. And she mentioned, she was stepping into entrepreneurship. She mentioned to me, oh, you're next. I was like, nah, I'm really good. I'm going to stay over here as the professional hype woman that I am. I'm going to cheer on all the people I know that are stepping into business. I want everybody to be successful. I'm good. I don't want to even do this. I will go to my nine to five, clock in and out, coach these students and work with these students, and I'm going to live a good life, right? And after she introduced that thought, the thought never left. Oh, no. <laughs> That's how it and happens. That's how it happens. It, I like, it was, it was really odd. As I remember for a month, like, I'm praying, like, God, like, I don't want to be an entrepreneur. Like, please take the thought away. Because, like, I don't want to do this. I don't even know where I would start. If this is not what I was supposed to be doing, just let the thought go away. Because I don't even really want to do this. I'm anti-entrepreneurship already. Mm-hmm. And... Like the thought just persisted for 30, 30 plus days. Like it was just like in the back of my mind. Yeah. All the time. And so I was like, well, I guess we need to do something with this. <laughs> and so launched my business, Magnolia Pink Consulting in um, October 2020, really sitting around like supporting Black women as they sort of explored into entrepreneurship. So yeah, that's some of my, I guess that's my journey. Long story yeah. short, short story long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know about you, but at least my experience too in going to um, school was there was so many careers that I could imagine. And something like your mentor had mentioned working with students was not one that I could see in the template of like, you know, 10 options of career choices, you know, doctor, teacher, you know, what, whatever. So I think part, a lot of people have that same experience of going to school for something and then realizing, like you said, like, that doesn't move my spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a hard, like, it was such a hard reality. And the path is going to change. I don't know how to mm-hmm. get to the end goal anymore. So we're just mm-hmm. going to switch the path up altogether. But even coming to terms and having to tell my parents, yes. like, I was changing my major. But I remember writing my mom this long letter. It was like a two-page letter about, how I like dislike clinics so much and like I need to change my major. This was after I'd already changed my major. So I'd already done the thing and I was just telling her after. But I was so scared to just have like a conversation. I'm very like anti-conflict, just like makes my stomach churn. And so when I was younger, growing up, one of the things that sometimes like my, my mom used to encourage us to do was like, if you're just like scared to have a conversation with me, just like write me a note. Mm-hmm. So like, you can get it out. I have time to process and then we can talk yeah. about it at a later point, right? So I was like, Love okay. That. She's she's gonna be fine with notes. Like we've written notes about hard stuff before. So wrote the note. We eventually had a conversation about it, maybe like a week or like a week later. And my mom said when she was reading the note, my mom thought I was about to tell her that I was pregnant. Oh, That's what she saw as she was reading the note. She was like, You just set it up so dramatic. Yeah. It's like, then I flipped the page. You, all you did, all you said was you changed your major. And I was like, whoo. Because she thought it was going a complete different direction because I yeah. did the, the drama. Totally. It was a really dramatic experience. I think I made it dramatic in my head because it felt so, it felt so life-changing at 21. Well, and I would say it is. That's yeah, the thing, it right? It's like holding space for like the existential reality of that moment of we're trying to figure out where we're going with our path. What are we going to do? And especially when you're someone who I'm picking up from, you know, wants to care for other people and serve other people, 
it's not like you were going into this with like a, a business focus and trying to like work a corporate job sort of situation. It sounds like you wanted something that lit up your heart that you were passionate about, that you were giving back. So these questions are not so much about a major, but more about your purpose, right? Your, your dharma in some ways of what you're doing in the world. And so when yeah. you make those shifts, that's huge decisions, especially right. Yeah. At 21, when you're trying to figure it out and we have little experience. I think that's one of the frustrating things. I had a similar thing where I wanted to be a doctor of medicine and then worked in a clinic and was like, I get five minutes with a patient. That's it. That is definitely not what I want. Right. right. And like, we just don't have this lived experience in these different things to even know. And we have to know at 18, when you come in, actually 18, right, you're supposed to know what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Wild. But then also it's like, we know from psychology that we've internalized all these different relationships. And so telling your parents is a big thing because we've internalized their response of, will I be accepted? Will I be celebrated? Will I be rejected? And so, yeah, when you think about those students that you're working with that are the helicopter parents, <laughs> I have so much heart for the students that are trying to figure out their path in that because it's not just their brain that they're holding up there. They're also holding the desires of their parents up yeah. there. And that's really hard because then you might be in opposite ends. You know, I want to pursue art and their parent is saying, you need to go into finance, right? And then you start to get these like deep existential moments of, will I follow my soul and what moves my spirit? Or am I going to listen to the expectations of other people? And that's yeah. hard. And it is hard. And I think like even, even after you get out of school, right? That's the thing. Am I going to listen to to the thing that that I know in my heart, like this is the thing I'm curious about, I'm passionate about it, it brings me joy. I'm going to bet on myself and take the risk, even if it's not a logical thing, even if it's not like the cool thing or the fancy thing that everybody thinks is going to make me money. Or am I going to listen to all the voices? And I think when you get out of school, there are even more voices that are telling you, ah, like maybe you shouldn't do that, right? Because like you have response responsibilities mm, yeah right and and your time to explore and to take risks in that way like you've missed the moment to do that right because um, like if you're if you're exploring making mistakes and like taking big leaps in your 20s nobody's really chastising you because that's societal like society has said it's acceptable to like take some risks and fail and get up and figure it out and do right. something different in your 20s mm -hmm. but like when you, when you the 25 26 and you're still doing that or, or you've done something completely different. And then at 30, 40, 50, like anything over 25 or 26. And you start saying, actually, like, I don't want to be a teacher anymore. I don't want to be a bit like, I don't want to do this. I actually want to like go to cooking school or whatever it is that you want to do. That's like not logical to most people. All those voices are still present. Yes. And society then says that's not actually acceptable should be doing and that's not when you should be doing it in terms of where you are in age or in terms of your career or your or your status your relationship status right and so I'm like yeah working through that as a student is hard but then having to potentially rework through that as an adult with your own opinions of self because you've been with yourself for a much longer period of time is also really tricky to navigate and to just like hold space for them right to hold space for like I can feel the tension of these things and that's okay to feel the tension, right? And it's deciding and making a choice for yourself. What am I going to do with this tension? And I'm and am I going to be true to myself even if I feel the tension? And I think a lot of people 
choose to diffuse the tension by not being true to themselves mm-hmm. or to, by convincing themselves that the thing that they're going to decide to do is actually true to themselves when in their mind they know that it and then what you see is depression you see mm-hmm. low energy you see someone who comes home every day saying i hate my job yeah right and there is some reality to this of like there's the systemic pressures of like not ever i don't think based on our current system everyone can't live that dream job that's just like a reality because our systems are built on people living in those jobs or that's not the case right but there are a lot of people that have the movement to go and do that and then tell themselves that like you said it's it's not i'm too old i've spent too much time here it's too late i can't do that and uh they spend a lot of time then saying Uh, it's too late like and they stay really in the past like it's too late it's too late it's too late and I'm like you have 40 50 plus years you're halfway on the continuum you're about 40 you have so much time but instead what we're looking at is the past saying I messed up I didn't figure it out I didn't follow my dreams of going to this and then they stay right here continuing to like ruminate on how they've already wasted those 40 years when it's like I'm trying to get some like mindfulness wake up like you're you're right here right now right here right now and you have the opportunity to change the rest of your life moving forward if you want to i'm not saying it's going to be easy it's going to be full of lots of challenges but do you want to stay in that space of ignoring that calling in your heart yeah and i'm curious to know when if you get those sort of folks to a space that they they can sort of see like i'm living more future focused than i am past or even i'm living present focused rather than past focus what kind of things are they able to start to do or how does their narrative change once once their perspective changes yeah 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 yeah. I think that's the whole thing like a lot of what I find in psychology is the narrative right like what is the narrative that you're telling yourself you're telling yourself you've already failed you messed up the time and it's too late when we unpack that narrative you can create new ones of there's still 40 plus years, there's time. Um, One of my colleagues at the clinic that I'm currently working at, you know, I think he's in his 50s and he's going back to get his PhD in clinical psychology. And that has been really inspiring just to see, you know, I'm just, wow, I think that's amazing that you would follow that path at that age to do that and dedicate, you know, five, seven, 10 plus years in this. And at times I'll like push my mom because she's in that same age. I'm like, you could do it too. But my mom never went to college. So then even that is like a whole, you know, a whole step to yes. start from that space. So I think sometimes it's also like working within the realities of where you're at because someone like my mom to get a PhD would have to do like, you know, all of the steps of undergrad and all of it. it would be such a long road. So, but the reality is for these people in these spaces, there's usually a calling, I would say, that is ringing in their heart. I, I wrote down what you had said about the entrepreneurship, like that word and that idea of, following that playing in the back of your mind. And I think that's what a lot of people have is that, you know, like I knew I should have pursued art. I knew I should have pursued art. And yet they're in this business degree space working in corporate. And then they still feel that longing. They still feel it. Mm -hmm. Squash it down. Like you said earlier with the, that's silly, that's irresponsible, all of those things. But the thing that lights their soul on fire is art. Yeah. Yeah. And what I have a good friend who we we have this conversation a lot um, about just like 
he talks about certain misery. And so we had a conversation. I was sharing some ideas and he was like, yeah, so like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, honestly, like all of the ideas seem pretty overwhelming because there's like 30 steps involved. And he was like, so are you going to figure out like the next step to take? Or are you just going to continue to exist in certain misery? Because either way, like the thoughts are going to, you're going to keep spinning just because that's how your mind works, right? So like you're going to continue to create and build upon those thoughts. And if you never move on them, then you're just in certain misery because the thoughts aren't going to go away. And when he said that, I don't know, it was something, something about when he said that, that just like switched on in my brain. Like, yeah, I would rather, I would rather fail trying and trying to do something that brought me joy and to not do it at the, not do it in a, in a way where other people have maybe deemed it the most successful. But for me, feels good to say like, you know what? Had the idea, tried it out. It didn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out. Cool. So now I have other space for other stuff. And like, cool. Right. As opposed to never acting. And it's like, well, all this stuff just playing in the back of my head all the time. Mm-hmm. And it, it, doesn't, it doesn't allow me to have space for a whole lot of other stuff either. Right. I don't have mental capacity to hold too much else if I have all these other things sort of in the background that I'm mm-hmm. actively trying to suppress all the time either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love that you hit on that. At least I tried, right? Like at least I went for it. I gave it my all and I really put myself out there and I did it. And I think kind of like balancing that is always those fears of what we had talked about earlier of, um, yeah, what if someone judges me? What if I go out there and I tell my parents I'm going to pursue this and then I fail and it falls apart, you know? And so there's always that fear there that can keep people in that state of not moving, right? Because if I fail, this could happen. So I don't want to do that. But also, like, do you want to go through your life having not tried? Having not yeah. tried, having your one shot at life and staying in that state of fear rather than going for it, right? Right. And yeah, it's it's so hard because I know that that's like a privileged statement for a lot of people to have this space to do that because so many yeah. jobs, you know, if you're working two full-time jobs to try and provide for your family, finding that space to like, pursue that side hobby is so is impossible with the current structures that we have but the reality is a lot of us do have that extra time a lot of us do have that extra time hear that calling and then stay in that state of just really seeing you know it reminds me of like cognitive behavioral therapy of like really seeing like all of the negative things that could happen if i do this this could happen this could happen this could happen this could happen and then that's where we call it that black and white thinking Mm. we ask okay and those are all the worst case scenarios. What are all the best case scenarios if you follow your heart? Like, what are all the best case scenarios with this? And trying to have that, like, balanced perspective when you're thinking about these big life changes instead of just staying in all the negative. Yeah. And I, I think for me, one of the things I'm just like, you know, anything is possible because and sometimes I have to use, like, the best case scenario is that, like, you blow up. You go viral and you start making a whole lot of money, right? I think for a lot of people, like, that's sometimes how it happens. And that's what success looks like for them. The first couple iterations are probably not going to be that great. Oh, totally. Totally. Like, the first draft usually never is that great, right? We don't have, there's not enough people that I think stick through some of this stuff, right? As you're exploring, as you're trying. If it's like, ah, it didn't go the way I thought it was, like, forget it. I wasn't good at that. I wasn't supposed to be doing that. And in reality, it's like, if you stuck with it and tried it maybe three more times, like you would get it perfect on the third time. And then your trajectory, like 
goes great, yeah. right? And so I know that resilience and sort of perseverance is really important. I think it's more the grit that's important. I'm sure there's a lot of psychology around grit. Totally. When we think about resilience, what I know is that like that ability is typically based on our community, right? Our ability to be held in our community, our ability to be seen, because I would say that if you surround someone by a whole circle of community that looks at your photography and says, and eh, it's okay, like, or that shit, what ends up happening is we internalize that. So when we have community around us, then you're like, I could do this, I could do this. And that's where always those sayings of like, took, take the five people around you and like, that's who you're going to become. I was always like, that's such a weird, like, bullshit saying. And then now that I'm over here on the other side, I'm like, that's really, really accurate. Pay attention to the people that you surround yourself with because they're mirrors. We internalize them in that way. And that can either build you up or really tear you down. I feel the same way. Um, I remember when I said it and I was like, yeah, I was like, what okay. does that mean? And I think I was hearing that when I was like in high school. Yeah. And it, it matters at every stage of life. But in my head, I just was like, okay. Right. Sure. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay. Whatever. Which is a lot. I feel like I did that a lot of high school. Like, I don't know what you're talking about, but sure. Totally. <laughs> and now I think like what you said is so important because when I, even when you said that, like I thought about like the, the five people that I talked to the most about business or that I just spent mm. on the daily like talking to, they have been the people who have like spoken into, I'm like, I'm thinking about doing this. And like, if, if I can get two people to say yes out of my mm. inner circle, I'm like, okay, we could do it. We could do it. But if I'm, if I'm spitting out ideas and like I'm watching, if I'm particularly if I'm on FaceTime, I'm doing this in person and I'm watching you react and the reactions aren't good. Then I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I yeah. should. Okay. Right? right. And so I talk about being a professional hype woman and I've had a conversation with friends. Like I, I always feel very privileged when people are in a place where they're ideating about doing something differently than they're currently doing. And they come to me to say, Hey, uh, like, here's something I'm thinking about, yeah. you know, because I recognize like, in those moments where like dreams are just starting to like take root to get grounded in some way, like the people that you share that with and what they say, um, what they say about your ability to do the thing, what they say about the thing itself and your potential for success matters more so than when you're established and like someone's just telling you you're doing a great job. Like if someone, when you're in the idea phase, you have enough people say, uh, yes, then like most people are going to abandon the idea, yeah. right? And so I know I've found that as, as folks do that, I'm always like, okay, this is a moment where you get to be a part of like pushing them towards a thing that they already know they should be doing, mm -hmm. right? And, and the language that you use in this moment, it matters more than you think it's going to matter. And it matters even if they don't tell you that it matters. Like it, it matters. Yeah. Right. hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I love thinking about it as like you, you said, that seed, right? Taking roots. Like. Imagine when you first put that sap, uh, is it like a sapling, right? Sapling, mm -hmm. that's what we yes. say. Yes. Uh, you put that sapling in the ground and then imagine if someone came over and like smushed it down. I was like, nope, we don't, we don't like that idea. Mm -hmm. Like that little baby plant does not have the roots that a plan of, like you said, you know, you've been doing this for 10 years and someone comes in, even if they give you criticism after 10 years, you're like, yeah, I've got lots of roots in this. This is a little bit of a, you know, breeze compared to like, when you're that young and you're planting and just starting to build this, those first initial critiques can be devastating. It can absolutely yes. kill any potential. 
And I think what's interesting in that is like thinking about the reality that those critiques often are a reflection of that person's fear, right? When you put them mm-hmm. saying, I have this great idea. And then your friend says, well, I don't know if it's that great. I mean, that's kind of risky, blah, blah, blah. That's a reflection of of how they see the world, which is that if you go through this, you're not going to be received well. It's not going to happen. All these things. Or, you know, you think about parents and they might, you know, be jealous. Other people might be jealous, too. That's mm-hmm. another thing. And so then they like come back with it, an attack of like, no, I don't really think so. And so you have to be really careful about who you open up, especially I, I've experienced, you know, like working in the psychedelic therapy space, working mm. in a kink space, working in a non-monogamous space, queer space. I will bring up ideas to certain people and they'll look at me like I'm crazy and then look at other people and they'll say, yes, absolutely. All these things are so great. Follow them. Go. And so that's one thing, too. I feel like when you're navigating these things is like being careful and selective of who you open yeah. up to about this, too. Because everyone's working from their own lens and their stuff will come out with how they respond to you about this stuff. Yeah. I think particularly when it comes to like taking risks just like outside the societal space that is deemed acceptable. Yeah. That it is even, I think in that space, it's important, right? Who's coaching you, who's advising you, who's yes. mentoring you? Because yes. you could you could go left very quickly with mm-hmm. the wrong even if it's socially accepted. Right. But I think as you get older and you sort of move away from that, like it's even more important to be selective. Because there's so many other narratives that you are playing out or that society is telling you that you should be playing it, right? Yeah. And so I think we feel some of those pressures more mm-hmm. outside of that socially acceptable space. Yeah, I've learned to be very, it's about five people. I can count yeah. on one hand. It's about five people in God. I'm really careful about like the folks who get to hear my ideas are people who like, they have shown over time, they're, they're going to be in my corner. And you need folks in your corner who are going to tell you the truth. Yes. And the truth might feel uncomfortable at times yeah i read the book uh women who run with wolves have you heard Mm -hmm. of that book i've not heard of it but that sounds like incredible oh it's good it's good it's all these like different um cultural stories about the wild woman archetype and yeah the energy of women that have passed on through different centuries and different cultures um and one of the stories that it talks or just like gently mentioned was like when you, you know, when a mama wolf has her little cubs, you know, when she goes out to hunt and one of the babies is supposed to stay back but doesn't follow that and comes out to like run with her, the mama snarls at the baby to get it back because it is not safe out there for what it's mm. currently, right? And I think I was thinking about that as you were saying, you know, getting that hard truth at times, that constructive criticism is necessary someone might have more lived experience to see this in a different way than you do and will snarl back at you and you might oh oh god but the message there is of love of protection right Right. i'm keeping you safe i've seen things and i'm sharing that with you and again that comes back to that nature right like all these things are mirrored back in different ways and i think it's important to remember that yeah sometimes those messages hurt but because they're supposed to you know right and because the person or the mama wolf who is giving the snarl knows what can happen if it doesn't hurt right now, right? Because yes. like, if you don't go back to hide, you will die out here. Yeah, right. Exactly, and that's painful for you, and it's also painful for me. Right, right, and right. for all the other people, the little baby wolves and cubs and whoever else in the pack is connected to you, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like it's not just this feel this hurts. It's that I've seen what happens if you keep going. Right. And you, right. You don't heed the advice or you don't yeah. heed the warning is like it's a it's much more destructive than what I'm giving you right now. Mm-hmm. Right? And I want to protect you from that, mm-hmm. which 
yeah, we don't always want to hear. And sometimes, you know, like we just are like, okay, whatever. And and then we see it and we're like, oh, I see <laughs> what you were attempting to do, Ben, and I should have been more receptive to it or should have spent a little bit more time with it to to make sense of it for myself without all of the feelings involved, right? And, and holding space for the feelings, but making sense of what you were trying to tell me from a logical perspective so I can do something with that information. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, 100%. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's growth, right? That's the uncomfortability yeah. of growth when people expect it to be soft and easy. I'm like, I don't know what world you're living in because that is not the reality. And that's mm-hmm. kind of like hitting back to that sense of grit, right? That it takes time and I think um, stories are so important for us for how we see the world, how we move about, how we can predict our narrative. And so being able to have other, you know, mentors that you look up to, other people that you, you know, whether you follow them in real life, right, or you follow them on Instagram, you follow them on YouTube, and you listen to their story of how they got into that space. And I would say most stories, I mean, some people obviously have money and prestige and come into it easy, right? But most other people have a story of like, seven, 10 years, you know, of really fighting, listening to that calling, that thing that lights them up and going and going and going for it. And then we see them at year 20. They're a big thing. And we're like, oh, that looks easy. But like you didn't see all 10 years of them fighting for this thing that they're so passionate about. Right. Yeah. I know I have one of my business mentors. She says this all the time that it's a quote from Denzel Washington, and I'm, I might misquote the years that he uses, but y'all understand the concept. Right. Is, he said it takes 20, it took me 22 years to become an overnight success. I love that. And like, I love that. Love Denzel. Like, for pop culture, has done so many great things, right? And he said it took me 22 years to be an overnight success in the way that other people would interpret it, right? I think about, I just saw an Instagram reel of uh, Nipsey Hussle was doing an interview and he talked about how he was a student he's a student of success he's mm. like whether well, I know you in real life I'm watching you from afar right when I'm watching people be successful whether it's in something I want to do or it's not there there typically um there is a common thread of success right from a lot of different viewpoints and vantage points and so you're watching people you're listening to the stories that people are telling about how they got to places you want to be right he's like I'll take a lesson from anybody yeah. Right. Anybody who who's who's seeing the success I want, I'll take a lesson from him any day because if I want to be there, why would I not? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That beginner's mindset to keep yeah. learning and that. Yeah. And I'm also curious because so I used to be Christian and now went through a, a hard agnostic stage of n- no religion, no, no religion. So even when you say the word God, I'm like, oh. You know, yeah. but but to me, it's the universe. Right. And so I think we're probably speaking about the same voice, that same guidance. Right. At the end of the day. And what I do think is interesting is that that calling. Mm-hmm. I if you could speak to that for you, like, how does God speak to you? Man, um, that that's such a great question. Um, it looked different on the season. I think it's like different based on the questions I'm asking or what I need to hear. I, a lot of times it's been confirmed through other people. And so I may be processing something in prayer or asking very specific questions about what should I do with this? Like, you know, make some shake or confirm that I'm going the right way or I'm not going the right way or I need, right? A lot of times it's been people, it's been folks who like, I, this has happened a lot with my business mentor 
we'll have a conversation and and I'm I haven't asked anything about what I've been thinking about, but like her whole conversation is about that thing. And I'm like, have you been in my notebook? And have you been a fly on the walls? I'm praying like there's no way that you can speak so directly to something yeah. that like you don't even know I've been like talking to God mm-hmm. about. That's how that happens a lot. Yeah. A lot of reminders or again, like you're confirming something that we've already had a conversation about. I just had to tune in just a bit to be like, oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. I would say the last way that I can't experience his presence in his voice is really mm-hmm. creativity. Mm-hmm. And I try to be aware of, it might not always look the same. And I'm open to that. I need some, sometimes I need an increased awareness to, to really process like that's what totally. that totally 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 yes yes and a lot of what you said are like some of the same ways that I feel like I am connected to that sense of calling that sense of the universe speaking to me so I think there's a lot of similarities in terms of um synchronicities Mm -hmm. yeah like having those moments like you said with your mentor where that conversation that you had been praying about thinking about shows up you're like hold on that's a little too close for comfort you Mm -hmm. know what I mean or I'll have these ideas and then you know sometimes the synchronicity will come in yeah like another human I think one of them for me was like the first day that I had um decided I was going to get a website designer and like publish my website and do that whole Mm -hmm. thing yeah I was very nervous about that because I was like a big step yeah and then right yeah and then um I went into my yoga class and afterwards I was like how's everybody doing you know they're like great how are you and I'm like well you know like I published my web or I got a website designer. I'm really excited uh, for my podcast. And someone was like, oh, what's your podcast? And I was like, oh, Modern Anarchy. Um, and they're like, oh, I think I've heard of it. And I was like, no, probably not. Like, because like, what are the odds that one of my random yoga students has heard my, I was like, it's not, it's not that big, you know, like, no. Um, and then he was like, yeah, no, like, I've, I've heard of it. I listened to it. My friend like sent me it and I listened to it. And I was like, whoa i was like okay universe i was like right all the days to meet a random fan in person on the day yeah. that i was like should i have like was this the right move to make right. the website Absolutely. i call that a synchronicity of a deep level for me where i'm like okay universe yeah. like thank you for giving me that moment of like you're you're doing something that people are listening to yeah never again will i say it's not that big i learned that lesson i was like i will not tell myself it's not that big right there's people mm-hmm. listening there are people doing this and so to like not even yeah. play it small in that moment, which was my yeah. narrative, right? Yeah. And I think back, right, to that idea of like playing small, because I'm very much like when people, even when people like talk about my business, like at work or something, I'm like, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's just, I'm like, it's just it's my business. Like, I won't do too much. Um, and what I realized is like that link, that link, particularly the language that I'm using to talk about, right? Because if I tell someone like, it's not that big, it's not a right. big deal. Right. Then, it, then it won't be a big deal to them. Right. Right. And the reality is it is a big deal. Like I put a lot of time and effort, energy, it's a lot of tears and a lot of conversation with God about how to do this good, well, in a way that's well received and that yep. adds value. It's a big deal to me, even if I don't say that. Totally. Right? I put a lot of money to get this right totally. and to learn how to do this well. And so it's yeah. like I had to catch myself and stop and and really be able to just like accept when people like hype hype me up in that way be like thanks like I appreciate yes. that because anything other than that is a disservice to all the time and the effort and the energy that I put into it right and that was never a small event like those things are never small investments 
from the from the person making yeah. it. Now they may seem small on the outside, but like we know, yeah, to produce a podcast, like that's no small feat. Like totally. Right. Like to, yeah. to ideate around what what a community and all of these things look like. Like none of that is small. Yeah. And the investments are not small. And so I had to I had to stop doing that because I realized that like if I keep doing that, then like it won't ever be a big deal to me. Totally, totally. What's wild is like this podcast has a global reach. Like that that is a fact. Thank you. It was in the top five like shared podcasts globally for the last I know, right? So like it's it's different. I don't know if you feel this way, but like I do this here and I make it, but like when I go out into the world, it's not like I, you know, see that reflected back to me. So then that's why it's weird where it's like, oh, yeah, I can know that cognitively and then like step out into the world and like no one knows what it is, you know, because like the world's yeah. bigger than that. So then like, yeah. trying to like internalize that when people like you say that, right, or when people I get those messages, it's hard because like I don't I don't feel it yet. And I don't know when we'll feel it. I don't know when that happens. Yeah. Know, like, like, <laughs> yeah. Global reach is that's a big deal regardless of what you're doing. Global reach in <laughs> any industries. Yeah. That's huge. Right. And so it's like. Yeah, like, I mean, I go in the world and everybody's like, oh my gosh, you're the host of Modern Interview. It's so nice to meet you. <laughs> but because your podcast has global reach, somebody Which is what happened. It. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, I think those moments are always really yeah. cool because I think it's, it's those reminders that we need that, like, the work that we do, it matters mm-hmm. to somebody. Right? It matters to me, but it, it matters to somebody else outside of me. And that's, that's all, like, I put this stuff out into the world for other people mm-hmm. to find value in it too. And if if just one person says, you know what, yes. that was really, I appreciate that. I I like that podcast episode yeah. or whatever it is, then like, cool, we've we've done we've done the work that we needed to do. That's what I've always told myself. One, I want to call it and appreciate your hype energy. I loved receiving that. <laughs> you know, and two, that was always what I told myself is like just one. If one person, if one life is changed, right? Like can I feel the contentment of that and be in that space? And so that's where I've, tr- I've tried to stay. But I think the the natural human condition is that we, you know, we have one thing and then we're like, but more, but more, but more. And then that is like mm-hmm. just a perpetual cycle, I think, of like human experience is like, I have this, but now I want more. And that being able to like pull that back and stay like grateful for where you're at right now and what you have. It can be really hard. But yeah, I also, in terms of like tuning into spirit speaking to you and guiding you in these things, I feel like, yeah, what you talked about creativity of having those great ideas, there have been those moments that like ideas have come through and it has been so clear. Like it just, it feels clear in a way that I couldn't otherwise uh, explain that was Mm -hmm. the idea comes through. It's, It's a yes in my head. Like it's like, this is what you should do. Here it is. Go for it. And then that's when it mm-hmm. feels different yeah, yeah, in yeah. that way. Or, yeah, and like the idea of the body. I think that's been a really big one for me, too, of feeling into, and my mentors are always trying to get me to do this one, and this one's so hard for me, just to be like, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. So, I'm so analytical. Um, to just like yeah. close my eyes and take a moment and like feel into it when I think about that idea or that next step that I'm making in my life. Like, what is my body's response to it? And sometimes I can't even tell, to be quite frank, which I'm working on. But like, I will also notice that, you know, when I'm thinking about another idea going somewhere that maybe doesn't feel right, I start to feel sick and nauseous and all of these arts, other sorts of things, mm-hmm. stressed, tired, run down. And I'm like, OK, 
something's going on there and being able to like suss out even from a body perspective how we respond to certain ideas I think has been really helpful yeah I am learning to do that more our bodies tell us a lot about situations at least growing up like I was never taught to tune into that as a means of information and so now I've started to pay more attention to how my body responds Mm -hmm. to people to ideas Um, thoughts situations and then to to interrogate mm-hmm. like why and like what what is my body trying to tell me about this this situation or this experience which is hard to hard to do like when you start doing that at 30 as opposed to like yeah you know growing up doing that but I think it's, it's an important tool because our body knows us very well oh because it's been our body for our whole life and its job is to protect us like the brain's job is yeah. to keep us alive and mm-hmm. to protect us and so if there's anybody that's gonna go hard for me is going to try to protect me. It's going to be my totally. body and my brain. That's the job that they are put up. Like, that's right. why they exist. Um, and so tuning into some of those bodily sensations, because I think those are important, like I said, important pieces of information that we can use if we tune in. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's always then where, like, my analytical brain then pushes back because I'm like, what about traumas? What, 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 is, what do you yeah. do when it's your trauma speaking to you? Slash, what do you do when it's your fear speaking to you in a way that is reasonable i would say in my non-monogamy journey i've had lots of fear as i've unpacked like Mm. jealousy and things and so like in those moments if i tune into my body like my body's scared uh but in the same way that it's scared when i go rock climbing right so it's like that's a reasonable fear but i'm still gonna do it anyways so like trying to like suss out all these different body reactions of like the trauma versus intuition versus like reasonable fears that we push through oh man that is a journey and a half and i do feel like through continued practice, I'm starting to like feel the different types of what they feel like. And they do feel different in each category. But how getting the language to describe that in a public platform and with share it with others, I'm still like trying to ground like finding words for that like ineffable experience of like what is felt in yeah. the body between those different states. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And it's tricky like to put the language to it because because it's not something we we most of us don't grow up practicing. We don't have the language and then have to, one, understand like what the sensation is in itself. And then two, figure out what's the language that other people will use to describe this that makes sense right, to share to other yeah. folks, right? To share, right? So that other people can like, be like, oh, yeah, I understand what you're totally, saying. Totally, totally. And I think what we can both say is that the best way to start doing that is just practice. Yeah. Even if you don't feel anything, just sitting with it and just starting to tune in. And I think that's a lot of our society's like current distress is that we're so disconnected from our bodies in a lot of different ways not even in this context of feeling intuition but just in a lot of different ways we've really disconnected from yes. our experience and even just being able to connect to your breath when you're stressed like that's a radical idea for a lot of people unfortunately because of our world and i think it's a to slow down right yeah. to slow down enough to recognize to like take note of what's happening to to take a breath to process we're so like addicted to being busy that the idea to sit to just sit still is the idea of it is is like a far out idea and then to actually do it is not a far out idea but like is very uncomfortable so then like people don't practice it enough because it feels very comfortable because our bodies are used to like always being on go right and that's against the grain of how society has conditioned us to sort of move um but it's like helpful right and in in terms of just like understanding self like it's just helpful you can't 
understand yourself if you're always on the go. Like you got to sit with yourself long enough to like be able to understand and, totally. and to question and to like have an experience with yourself. Like you have you have to stop doing to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It that's just against the grain of, of society and culture, right? Yes. It's like, nah, we don't have time to do that. Yeah, exactly. I don't have time to sit and think. I don't have time. Yeah. And it's uncomfortable as someone who equally yeah. struggles to like sit in silence and just take a deep breath when I'm really stressed out with school. Like it's uncomfortable. But I think that's also why those shower thoughts, right? Those shower thoughts, they're coming in at that time because that is when we're kind of like in the sensation of the water on our body. Yeah, taking that moment. And then all of a sudden these great ideas come through and these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. As we come towards the end of our time, I want to hold a little bit of space in case before coming into this conversation, you maybe had something on your heart that you wanted to say that maybe we didn't get to. Otherwise, I have a closing conversation or a closing question I ask all of my guests. I'm trying to do this more and like going into conversations with minimal expectation and just letting it be so I can just be be present with what's happening in the moment. So, no, I don't think I had anything that I like had pre-planned to say, but I really enjoy just like the conversation overall. Good. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, then the closing question I ask everyone is, what is one thing that you wish other people knew was more normal? I know, that's no pressure. A, wow, that's that's a loaded question, man. I know. Loaded. I answered it recently. <laughs> There's, I've had so many different answers, by the way. You can take that any way you want. When I, I do like an annual like reflection podcast episode every year that I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Last time I answered it about nipple hairs because I was like so insecure about it. And I'm like, we need to fucking talk about this shit. Yeah. So you, And some other people take it deep. Some You can take it light. You can take wherever you want to go. The first thing that came to my mind, crying, even when you're not sad, is a normal experience and is a normal expression of emotion. (laughs) I've always been a crier, like since I was a kid. I was my mom has always told me like I was of her three children. I like I'm the most sensitive of the three. And I've been like that my whole life. You can't fuss at me too hard as a kid because I'm probably going to cry. As I've grown up, I've got a lot of messaging around when it's appropriate, when and where it's appropriate to cry and what. It is appropriate to yeah. cry. And as I've gotten older, what I've realized is, and what I've come to terms with is, crying is a very vulnerable expression of emotion. And there are a lot of people that are very uncomfortable with people that can freely express that. But I can. And so like, and I don't have to know you. Like, I can be mad, I'm gonna cry, I'm gonna be frustrated, I can be overwhelmed. I can be like happy, yeah. sad, and all of the like emotions that run in between on the spectrum. And it is a normal release. Like, it just is. And I wish more people knew that that was normal. I think the world would be a better a better place if more people cried and were, were able to release whatever it is they've been holding on to. Totally. And I wish that other folks who are tender in that way knew that they didn't have to change because other mm-hmm. people are not Yes. When you say that, I think about the narratives we have around that, right? Like, you cry... Someone might say that was the worst thing that happened. I cried in front of everybody. It made me feel weak. It did all those things. See that narrative going of like making meaning of that experience in that way. And I think, like you said, that's because society has that, you know, perspective on it. But I would put it in the opposite way to be able to be open, to be able to be vulnerable is such a strength, right? And to trust yourself to express that with other people. 
I think that is truly like allowing your emotions to flow when Mm -hmm. you and we need release, cathartic release in all different types of way. Right. You know, my my realm is always sexuality. So I'm always like thinking about that part, because I think that if you can't cry comfortably and allow that release, I'd be curious what other aspects of release in your life are like. Can you let yourself go there? Can you let yourself have that happen? Because I think those two things being able to be connected to your emotions are deeply connected to your ability to experience pleasure sexually because it's all a part of that experience of releasing and allowing yourself to be fully in that. Yeah. 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 I've never connected those two dots, but that makes sense in my head. Right. Because if you can't cry, you're holding, you're holding, you're holding, you're holding, you're stiff in all those same ways. And it's like, the same thing you know you might be able to get into it but like i would i would argue that your capacity for pleasure is much greater when you're able to release and allow yourself to flow in all areas of your life yeah yes the hard thing is like so much of reality is so tough and strong and, and aggressive and hard and i think at least for me in medicine work with psychedelics that has been one of the things that has really softened me is like i'll have a medicine experience and get so soft and will cry and have that sort of experience and then come back out into the world. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a tough, tough world. Like we're like, <laughs> there's a amount thing. of. Yes. And there's a amount of like hard callousing that is needed to move through the world. And so I think sometimes we go through this life not even realizing how much we have held on to protect ourselves, to protect, protect because of society, because of the circle of relationships you might have in your life, that you've had to be that hard person. And sometimes it takes just being able to have that one moment of that not be the case to realize, whoa, like there is a whole other world where I could be softer in flow with my emotions and, and tender in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, and that's why I said I, I wish more people, I think if more people cried more often, the world would just be better. Like we don't have to be as hard and callous. Yes. I'm all here for that revolution of seeing that future of more people crying. And I think Yeah, part of it then is creating safe relationships for people where they feel held. And part of that is doing exactly what you're doing of that hype work of supporting people, of being that person, because they're going to feel much more comfortable coming to you to cry about their little sapling of a business that might be, you know, in its phases than to someone who's coming down to squash it. You're going to be that safe space where they feel like they could go there. And so you're you're making that reality happen in the activism work you're doing with those people and to change lives in that way to call more people into their highest calling and that is that's a gift for the world that you're doing thank you yeah well where can you plug your stuff so people can find you connect with all your things yeah plug away um sure so follow me personally at underscore j p as in paul underscore does it on instagram and you can follow my business, Magnolia and Pen Consulting, at Magnolia Pen with two N's, Co, on Instagram. Great. And then I'll have that all linked below so people can Perfect. find it straight in the show notes. It was so lovely to have you. Thank you so much, Nicole. If you enjoyed today's episode, then leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. And head on over to modernanarchypodcast.com to get resources and learn more about all the things we talked about on today's episode. I want to thank you for tuning in and I will see you all next week.